Can Jeff Brom and company go back down into the state of Florida and get another top edge rusher in the 2024 class? Well, we're going to talk about the recruitment of Booker Pickett Jr. here in just a moment, plus more. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. As always, I want to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On the Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. As I mentioned in the opener, the Louisville Cardinals made the list cut for uh, 2024 highly rated prospect Booker Pickett Jr. We'll talk about uh, whether or not the Cardinals can go back down into Florida and get another top edge rusher in the 2024 cycle. We'll talk about this previous week's action for the women's basketball team, extending their winning streak to four with victories over... Um, over Virginia and Clemson, and then to conclude the show, we will dive into a weekly mailbag segment. But beginning with the football recruiting side of things, obviously two prospects committed in the 2024 class, both from the state of Florida, five-star edge rusher TJ Capers and four-star running back Isaac Brown. Um, obviously, the staff has been very busy, as most all of the staffs in college football have been. Uh, Brom has been going all over the country, especially kind of centralized in the southeast, all up and down the eastern shoreboard. Um, essentially, you know, um, offering a lot of players in the process. We've seen, you know, if you look at the episodes from the previous week or so, you know, Brom and company are continuing to try to prioritize, um, you know, the local areas while also going down into Texas, North Carolina, Missouri, you name it. But one of the most welcomed trends that we've seen since Flyville became a thing outside of the California side of things, which is um, unique in its own ways. We saw in the 2023 class the makings of the pipeline uh, with the state of Florida, you know, from Louisville to South Florida, start to get revitalized a little bit, right? I mean, you saw a couple four stars, William Fowles and Stan Juan Clark, um, Kataris Hicks, um, multiple players down in the state of Florida that, um, you know, decided to come up to Louisville, and it seems like so far, the trend is continuing, and in a big way. You get a five-star prospect, TJ Capers, top 10 player in the country, to commit to Louisville early on. Obviously, you have to keep these guys committed, but um, multiple prospects since then have included Louisville in their list cuts, respectively. Well, another one has um, cut his list to nine. That is four-star prospect Booker Pickett Jr., the six-foot-three edge rusher from Tampa, Florida, ranked as the 52nd best prospect in the country according to the 24-7 sports composite the sixth best edge rusher and the 11th best recruit in the state of florida um cut his list to nine on uh tuesday evening and included in that list cut along with the cardinals you have georgia ohio state usc 
Tennessee, Penn State, Miami, Florida State, and South Carolina has 36 scholarship offers uh, to play D1 um, at the next level. But needless to say, this is going to be a very, very um, high-profile recruitment. Um, A lot of big dogs in this recruitment, so to speak. Uh, Booker is um, a possible legacy recruit for a couple different schools. His dad played at Miami and played in the NFL. His uncle played at Ohio State. Um, Not to mention you have another um, in-state school, like Florida State in the mix. Um, And then on top of that, back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs also in the mix. Tennessee has been doing very well on the recruiting trail. Penn State, USC, South Carolina, also no slouches. Um, But he also has offers from Auburn, Colorado, Michigan, Notre Dame, so on and so forth. Needless to say, he's a very elite prospect. What's interesting to me, and we talked about how potent the state of Florida was in recruiting like a month ago. He's ranked 52nd in the country, and there are 10 other players from the state of Florida alone that are ranked higher than him. Uh, TJ Capers is one included. So, very interesting here. What type of player is Booker Pickett? Um, You know, you have, you know, when you hear the word edge rusher, you kind of wonder, well, is he more of a traditional defensive end, outside linebacker, um, so on and so forth. Um, this is what Andrew Ivins, the Southeast recruiting analyst at 24-7 Sports, had to say, uh, compared him to Chris Rump II from my Los Angeles Chargers. Um, he said this, a dangly speed rusher that's full of juice, racked up 60 sacks his first three seasons as at the varsity level, including 30 as a junior. Size hasn't been verified in a while, but he is believed to be over six foot three and carrying roughly 205 pounds. Obviously, we'll need to add some mass moving forward, but bloodlines suggest that shouldn't be much of an issue as dad played defensive end in Miami while uncle was an NFL defensive tackle. Terrorizes opposing offensive linemen and quarterbacks with an elite first step. However, isn't one that just wins with his get-off as he's already well-versed in a few different pass-rushing moves and can swim-slash-rip his way around the edge. Ability to dip and bend is extremely encouraging at this stage in his development. So is the fact that he understands backside pursuit and is constantly trying to produce negative plays. Biggest question moving forward will likely surround his future position-slash-role. Seem destined to tack on muscle and settle in as a jack linebacker in a 3-4 front, but might be able to eventually put his hand in the dirt and operate as a wide 9 in a 4-3 look, depending on how his body fills out regardless, should be viewed as one of the top pass rushers in the 2024 cycle and has the production to back it up. NFL upside. Um, junior All-American from Max Preps this past season, 40, or I'm sorry, 56 tackles, 16 of those for a loss to go along with 30 sacks. That's absolutely nuts. That's third in the state. How is that only third in the state? My goodness. Um, needless to say, Booker is an elite prospect. Um, how legitimate of a chance does Louisville have? Obviously, every recruitment is different, right? But with, um, you know, Coach Hova on staff, um, with how Flyville has done in the state of Florida over the past two classes, you have to believe that Louisville has a fighting chance. And you'll say, well, you've got all these other schools in the mix. I'm not saying that Louisville's going to win this recruitment. I'm not saying that they're even going to be seriously involved. They are in the top nine, so that means something. So I feel like a broken record. What needs to happen? Well, Louisville needs to get him on campus. They need to get him on a visit uh, unofficially this spring or this summer, get him on campus officially in the fall, um, and, and try to work towards getting a commitment um, You know, in the future term. But ultimately – I think the TJ Capers commitment makes things more legitimate in the way that the 
the thought process was probably like, okay, getting a couple prospects like Isaac Brown, Stan Quan Clark, William Fowles, this is no disrespect toward them. Let me go ahead and get that out of the way. What I'm saying is that you're not going down into Florida and getting the, the best of the best, rankings-wise. You're not going and getting the top 75, top 100 players, right? Or at least you weren't until you got TJ Capers, but you weren't getting them. You know, you were getting the the lower four stars that kind of get overlooked by the in-state or the you know SEC programs around the area, and that's okay. That's kind of what Louisville has made um, their living off of in the past two decades when recruiting the state of Florida is the low four stars, high three stars. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. Um, but now with the TJ Capers commitment, with Dylan Stevenson, um, you know, from Columbus High School showing a ton of interest in Louisville, with a lot of other players kind of showing interest in Louisville, I think that the TJ Capers commitment creates a lot of momentum in the state of Florida alone, not only in the southern part of the state around Miami, uh, Dade County, Fort Lauderdale, all that area, but Tampa. We talked on when we talked about the Florida State, or I'm sorry, the, the state of Florida, the Sunshine State recruiting, the area of Tampa is extremely. Um, abundant with uh, recruiting talent, um, you know, a lot of talented recruits in that area. So I think that, um, like I said, are the Cardinals going to be involved seriously? I would argue that they probably already are if they're in the top nine and they are included with a list or in a list with all of these other top juggernauts in college football, so to speak. So um, I think that actions will speak louder than words at this point. It's going to depend on if Louisville can get him on visits, things of that nature. I won't write Louisville off considering that they did the impossible and got a five-star linebacker. I'm not saying that the Cardinals are going to obviously win this recruitment, but you have to think that at least Jeff Brom and company have a chance with what they've been able to do in the NIL realm and much more. So we'll continue to talk about um, football recruiting as we see news, which there is abundancy of offers going out, so we will continue to talk about that. Uh, but for the second segment of the show, we'll talk about the successful week for the Louisville women's basketball team, 2-0 and after defeating um, both uh, Virginia and Clemson. We'll talk about those two victories here in just a second after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure, super easy to use. Um, all of the bets for this week NBA-wise, uh, I thought what was very interesting to me were the totals for my Houston Rockets in, in terms of the spread coming up. I know not the greatest season, but the spreads are pretty interesting and almost kind of favorable for the Rockets. But nonetheless, you can also talk about player props like player points for Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, so on and so forth. Um, just so many different options. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked On the Louisville your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand-new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, here for big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, heading on into the second segment of the show, we talked uh, a little bit before the advertisement break about uh, the Louisville women's basketball team going 2-0, and extending the winning streak to four. Um, after losing back-to-back games against NC State and Wake Forest, it was clear that something needed to change for Louisville. The Cardinals went up to Syracuse and won by double digits. They got a very big momentum-building win against North Carolina um, a week ago, and then this past week, a win at Virginia and a win versus Clemson. Um, on a four-game winning streak, the Cardinals are eighteen. Or I'm sorry, nineteen and eight. They are solely tied for third in the ACC. Duke is twelve and two. Notre Dame eleven and three. Louisville and Virginia Tech both at ten and four. So um, there are four games left in the conference slate. Two times against uh, the tenth-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You have Boston College on the road, and then Miami as well. But nonetheless, this past week's action, the Cardinals um, struggled um, in the matchup against Virginia early on. Um, they trailed thirty-four. I'm sorry. Yep, thirty-four. I can't read this right. 34 to 26. I'm I'm losing my eyesight. So the Cardinals didn't necessarily start out well at all, but with a big third quarter performance, they outscored the Cavaliers 15 to 9 in the third quarter, 22 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Haley Van Lith led the way with 17 for the Cards in this one. Scoring responsibilities uh, for Louisville pretty much struggled. 37% from the field, 27% from the three-point line. Um, got some help from Chris Carr off the bench, which you ha- if you haven't been watching, um, Chris Carr, Morgan Jones, the two ACC transfers have been coming off the bench. Uh, Narika Kono, uh, Mikasa Robinson have been starting, uh, along with Nyla Harris has been starting over Liz Dixon and Josie Williams. But um, Marissa Russell had nine, Morgan Jones had eight. Other than that, no other starter had more than six. Um, not a very good offensive performance for the Cards, but we're able to start to turn it around in the second half. And that was the big thing, um, forcing turnovers in that second half. Um, turnovers actually played low on this one. They had one more than Virginia. Um, but nonetheless, the Cardinals did shoot 10 more free throws, and they made nine more of those. So, um, you know, 76% from the line. So winning by 10, that kind of checks out. Ultimately, sometimes, you know, games aren't pretty. Performances aren't pretty, but um, you do what you can to get the win. One thing that Louisville has sort of utilized at times this season is when that offense is struggling. They've seen the defense step up their efforts to the point to where they're doing just what they need to do to win. And not every win's going to be pretty. Not every loss is going to be encouraging. So um, you have to, you know, kind of roll with the punches and just accept the notion that, hey, look, sometimes uh, tough games happen. I know that with the season that hasn't necessarily lived up to the expectations for Louisville, you know, kind of makes it a little bit more frustrating when you do have these um, these games. At the same time, um, it, it's encouraging to see you know a lackluster performance still end up being a win because that kind of results to that Louisville swagger, that Louisville uh, hard-nosed style of basketball that uh, has kind of been a trademark of this program um, over the past you know decade to two decades since Jeff Walls took over. But that wasn't the case against the Clemson Tigers. Louisville opened up with a big, big. Um, you know, lead. They went up fifty-one to twenty-two at the halftime intermission. The game was pretty much over. Uh, they did get outscored in the next two um, quarters, but at that point, you know, it, it's pretty much um, at that point, it, it's pretty much 
out of reach. Uh, I know that you, you saw you know the starters play the majority of the game, but nonetheless, uh, when you go about 30, it's like sometimes you might take your foot off the gas a little bit. But regardless, very solid first half. Um, you had four players in double figures. Haley Van Lith led the way with 19 points, five assists. Narika Kono had 12, Mikasa Robinson with 10, Chrislyn Carr with 12 as well. Um, so overall, I think it was a very balanced performance. You know, Olivia Cochran had seven, Morgan Jones seven. I'm sorry, Marissa Russell seven, Morgan Jones had six. So you had, um, you know, seven players with at least six points, which is something to look forward to if you're the Cardinals. Um, a lot better shooting. They were 12 of 24 from the three-point line. Three-point shooting and defending the three-point line has kind of been one of the Achilles heels of this team. And um, Sunday was uh, pretty much a breath of fresh air. Not only did they go 12 for 24 to shoot at a 50% um, you know, mark from behind the arc, they also held Clemson to one of eight which is good for about 12.5%. Um, Clemson shot more free throws, but Louisville shot about 48% from the field, 30 of 62. They forced 15 turnovers. They had 15 turnovers themselves. Uh, but one thing that was encouraging, 23 assists to 15 turnovers. So it was nice to see the ball flow. Um, it was nice to see the offense kind of come um, from a lot of different players. That's the main thing and one of the main issues for this team it seems like is that lack of consistency scoring overall. You know that Haley Van Lith is going to get hers. You know that there's probably going to be one other player like a Chrislyn Carr, like a Morgan Jones, that's going to rise up and score double figures. But for Louisville to be really successful and more importantly, um, you know, make a deep run in the ACC tournament and thus in turn a deep run in the postseason of um, you know the, the NCAA tournament, it's going to be a matter of, you know, getting that scoring production from more than just Haley Van Lith. If you can get Chrislyn Carr where she's scoring in double figures, same thing with Narika Kona, who shot very well, four of seven from behind the arc. Um, if Mikasa Robinson is scoring in double figures, teams are in trouble. You know, 10 points, nine assists. And that's no disrespect to Mikasa, but, you know, known as the Swiss Army Knife that isn't, you know, known for her scoring, but, um, you know, known for her defense, her passing, her leadership, everything else. You know, the most career games played in the global history for a reason. She is a key part of this team, and this team couldn't do what they do without her. But if she's scoring in double figures, that is such a luxury for the Louisville Cardinals. Um, something to focus on. They need to get a little bit more production from their front court. Um, I believe that you're going to need to get more from Josie Williams, Liz Dixon, Nyla Harris. I know that um, it seemed like the, the rotation was a little bit more guard-heavy against Clemson, but even said, I think that this team still needs to um, you know, get some more front court production because I think it keeps defenses honest, and that's something to look forward to. Um, but overall, four-game winning streak for the Cardinals. As I mentioned, the team is 19-8, four regular season games to go. Um, two games against Notre Dame, upcoming on Thursday at Notre Dame, number 10 in the country, the Fighting Irish will host the Cardinals at 7 o'clock. Huge um, you know, possible postseason implication for the Cardinals with two of the remaining four games against a top-10 opponent. And then you have Miami, um, who is 16-9 uh, and nine on the season, so they are pretty decent. Um, trying to think, has the Cardinals played, or have the Cardinals played Miami this season? I don't believe they have. Uh, but they also have Boston College. Boston College, 14-14. and 14. They've struggled in conference play. They're 4-11. and 11. Um, But Louisville will play both of those opponents 
for the actually no they beat Boston College by eight only by eight um, you'll back in the KFC um center so um, nice week for the women's basketball team and hopefully we can continue that momentum heading in to this week as well but to conclude the show we're going to dive into the weekly mailbag it's been a little bit since we've done a weekly mailbag but nonetheless here we are before we do that I want to say uh I appreciate the patience. I know that the programming and production schedule has kind of been all over the place, and that's been a result of you know a hectic February for me, traveling for job, you know, traveling, um, you know, visiting family and things of that nature. I really do appreciate your all's patience. Like I said, trying to get content out in a timely manner, and I will you know work to just continue to churn out episodes. So I appreciate your all's patience. Okay, final segment of the show, diving into the weekly mailbag. Uh, first question, actually the majority of these questions are surrounding the men's basketball team. Um, first question is, with just a handful of regular season games to go, would you switch up the starting lineup? If so, what would it be? I assume by the starting lineup you're talking about uh, Sidney Curry, J.J. Trainer, Jalen Withers, Mike James, and L. Ellis. Um... Possibly. Uh, I honestly think that uh, the only change I would make to the starting five is maybe. Um, the thing about it is, is he provides such a spark off the bench, but I, I think that you could go with starting either Kamari Lance or Emmanuel Accor for. I think that they bring great energy. Kamari has kind of come into his own in terms of scoring. Emmanuel brings um, you know, a great motor to the court, uh, very solid on both ends of the court in terms of hustle, um, You know, really putting a lot of effort in. Um, I think that Sydney has just kind of been inconsistent. He there will be times where he has a good game, and then there are times where he just struggles. I think that um, if I was to make a, a change, it would be bringing Kamari or Emmanuel into the starting lineup. Um, moving right on along into the next question: If the team were to add Sky Clark, and there's been rumors that they're going to add another big man from uh, the international ranks in Africa. What would be the position needs moving forward? Um, I mean, a little bit of everything. And I think guard play is at the forefront of the priority, right? Because that's what you need at this point in time. Sure, adding Sky Clark to the mix, a, a former very highly rated prospect, guy that started for Illinois as a true freshman for taking a br- a break, a step away from basketball. Um, I, I think that you know you're you would be be bringing back um, the player from Africa, uh, Emmanuel Acor for probably Kamari lands, um, you know, probably obviously Sky Clark. I'm not sure who else outside of that. Um, so, I'll, you know, definitely talking about those five, but you never know who's looking to transfer out, who's looking to go elsewhere, possibly go to the NBA. I think ultimately you shouldn't have to have priority lists in terms of positions. It should just be adding best player available because it's clear that this team definitely needs a roster, um, you know, uh, a roster turnover that's very significant and um, you know adding some power five ready players into the mix right away okay next question I just answered that just answered that what are your thoughts on the new banner going to say coaches poll number one look i think you have to abide by what the NCAA says. All those people that are getting upset with Josh Hurd, I don't understand what you what else you want him to do. He could have just done nothing. Um, in a perfect world, sure, you would want 2013 national champions up on the rafters at the KFC Yum Center. But 
I mean, at least this team is getting recognized. I think it, you know, this isn't going to be like the last uh, set of negotiations. Like I think Josh Hurd and company are still going to continue to push to get that, um, you know, that credit and that recognition back. But I think that this is a good step in the right direction, you know, getting some sort of a banner back and getting um, the team recognized this upcoming weekend. So I know that the team hasn't been doing great, but, if you can, please go out and support the team this upcoming weekend and go see the 2013 National Championship squad. So um, final question for the mailbag. I've seen many uh, different opinions about what the expectations should be next season. What do you think that they should be for the men's basketball team? I think I answered this um, a couple weeks ago. Look, I'll just lay it out in terms of my opinion. The expectations for Louisville basketball do not change because of the lack of success from a previous year or set of years. You know, because a coach and a team are not doing well, that doesn't mean that you should change the expectations of Louisville basketball. Because if expectations, if you change them, this is not a blue blood. That That's kind of where we're at. If you change them to make it to where, okay, well, it's just to, um, you know, get to 500. This is not a blue blood because you're discrediting what can happen in an offseason. Because, you know, a lot of, the people have been disagreeing of whether or not Kenny Payne is the right guy for the job. Personally, um, you know, I've seen a lot of differentiating opinions, but it seems like he's going to get a second year to see what he can do without an NCAA cloud over his head, right? Fair. With that being said, the results have to come in. Not only do you have to bring the players in this upcoming year, but you have to get the results. It, the expectations for me remain the same every single year. Now, obviously, maybe they're a little bit different in terms of the ceiling. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying going from 500 to making the NCAA tournament. Like, the, the borderline is making the NCAA tournament. And then you determine, well, maybe it's um, you know going up to the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 or maybe even Final Four level. But you're at a point to where – if you're saying that this team should go 500 and that should be the expectation, I just I can't in good faith sit here and agree with that. I respect it. I respect that point of view. You're allowed to have your opinion. I just disagree. I'm not going to lower the standard that Louisville basketball has put forth because of the lack of success. I'm just not going to because that is severely discrediting this historical program. But not only that, it's discrediting the opportunity at stake. It's not like years past to where there's been an NCAA cloud over the head. There has been issues, you know, not issues, but there hasn't been the one-time transfer. Well, look, you can change a team immediately. We've seen that happen. Uh, Missouri, uh, LSU, um, Kansas State. Maybe Missouri and LSU aren't doing the greatest. Kansas State's absolutely turned it around. If you're Louisville basketball, which is a hands-down better program than all three of those programs, there should be no issue being able to get the players into the system, getting the players into this program to be able to make the tournament in 2024. That should be a non-negotiable 
for Louisville fans. I think that, you know, you have to make the tournament next year. There's no reason why you should not, because if your argument is that, well, you have to allow this team some time, we're past that point. We're past that point. Because I'm not saying that Kenny Payne has to win a national championship next season. I'm not saying that. I believe, you know, there should be time in the role. But he should make the tournament next year because the issue was or what was being told was that the NCAA cloud was, you know, really putting a dampering on recruiting. Okay, that's fine. I understand. I understand. But now we're in a situation where you don't have that cloud over your head. You know, you have the NIL infrastructure in place because you look at what football is doing. They're recruiting like at a level that we have never seen for Louisville football at least not since the recruiting services started back in the late 90s, early 2000s. We are at a situation now to where the expectations should not change due to the lack of success. Because if you're saying that they should, then you're also arguing that this isn't the program that people think it is. Because I view Louisville basketball as a blue blood program. I think it's a top five program in the history of college basketball. I think it is. I think it's had continued success since the you know the eighties and the Danny Crum era through the Rick Patino era. Sure, it's been some tough times. Was Kenny Payne dealt a tough hand? Sure. I think he I think he was. There's no reason now though, with the spots supposed to be open, with you know, essentially a year to address the two thousand twenty three class or half a year, I should say. Um, but with the transfer portal open and a lot of players, we saw a lot of you know high-rated players come in, you could see that happening. So I, I just think that that, in my opinion, is um, my thoughts on the matter. I don't think the expectations should change. I, If you disagree, I respect it. That's just my opinion. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you back here very soon.